We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Roller Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. It is Thursday, October 6th, week five of the NFL season. I can't believe Nick is even here because the Jags are on bye this week. Nick, what is your contribution to the show even going to be today? Yeah, I wrote uh, on the top of our little outline here, Jags are on bye. Uh, you really shouldn't expect anything from me here. I think, you know, I'm employed at this company for one reason, and that's to provide hard-hitting Jacksonville Jaguars, <clears throat> excuse me, analysis, as well as to lose my voice mid-sentence uh, on the podcast. 
So, yeah, it's going to be a tough week. I mean, if you're a football fan, this is probably a Sunday where you look to maybe get some yard work done. Um, you know, maybe you head out, do some fall activities, some apple picking. Meet like the that. neighbors, yeah. Um, right, meet the neighbors. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, without the Jaguars playing, it just doesn't feel quite like a real NFL week. Well, if you are a Jags fan and you got extra time on Sunday, if you could leave us a nice rating and review, we would greatly appreciate that. But still a lot of other games to uh, to break down, even though Nick's Jags are, are sitting games, air quotes, because uh, this is not a video cast yet and probably never will be, if I'm, if I'm honest. I don't, I don't think we're building a lot of momentum toward that. I'm looking around this room, and this would be the worst TV show ever made, which is yeah. really endearing to any potential producers listening yeah. out there. Uh, let's start with the Thursday game, Cardinals-Niners. No Carson Palmer in this one as a result of a concussion. Cardinals are at 1-3, and three, kind of in danger here. I mean, they're favored on the road, but short rest. Drew Stanton, to me, that might be enough. I'm at least taking the Niners with the points, even if I don't expect them to win outright. And I just wonder, what does this mean for the Cardinals' skill position? Like, What does it mean for the receivers in particular? I'm not worried about David Johnson. Like, He's going to get his because Navarro Bowman is out. I think running the ball is going to be easy for Arizona. But I really don't know what Stanton and those receivers can do through the air. I mean, they couldn't do all that much with Carson Palmer under center. You know, I mean, Fitzgerald went off. Um, you know, in, in week two, <clears throat> we saw John Brown go for 144 yards last week. But but other than that, you know, they they've kind of been void of those big big performances. And you know, this this Cardinals offense does not look nearly as explosive uh, as we expected uh, that it would. And you know, now you're taking away the starting quarterback, a veteran guy who admittedly hasn't played all that well through the first four weeks of the season, um, but still a guy that you like considerably more than Drew Stanton, who looked like a complete train wreck when he came into that game last week against St. Louis. Two picks compared to four completions on 11 attempts. Um, you know, looked just completely in over his head and, and obviously wasn't prepared to enter that game. With a full week of prep, you know, maybe the situation's a little bit different. Um, but, you know, this is a 49ers team that handled the L.A. Rams team uh, in week one that just beat, that just beat Arizona. Um, we can't forget Arizona got throttled on the road at Buffalo, which at first I think we thought was a game where maybe we weren't willing to throw it out, but you know it just kind of seemed like Arizona didn't have it. Whatever it was that week, you know, it was just kind of a one-game lull, but then you come back and lose to L.A. at home. Um, it's just kind of inconceivable to me that we're sitting here thinking there's a pretty decent chance that Arizona could be you know, one in four through five weeks. Definitely a possibility because San Francisco, not as bad as we thought. Certainly not a good team, but dangerous enough at home nonetheless. I, I still don't really like anybody in the San Francisco offense other than Carlos Hyde. I just made a trade to get him and in my home league today, but beyond his workload being really safe, there's just nothing there that I like right now uh, as far as the San Francisco options go on the fantasy side. Maybe Jeremy Curley, if you really have, if you have a bunch of buys, if you have an injury or two, that I mean that's somewhere to to kind of look. Just because he's had a couple of weeks with with big target numbers, but if you're counting on getting anything from Jeremy Curley, you know that that's not the right strategy. No, sixteen team PPR league, maybe in that case I'd throw Curley out there. Thirty two team league, maybe. Yeah, I'm um, I'm in a league that has I mean, 128 teams. It, I don't know. I, I just don't. San Francisco is not going to move the ball all that well. I think. We might be a week or two away from Kyle Kaepernick quarterbacking this team if the losses continue to pile up. I can only hope. Patriots and Browns uh, happening in Cleveland, where it all started for Bill Belichick. And Tom Brady is back, apparently. Didn't really know much about that. 
Uh, but what does it mean for the offense as a whole? I mean, the, the first takeaway for me is LeGarrette Blunt. the carries he was getting in the first three games especially, that won't be there. The workload he got last week, you know, 14, 15, 16 carries, I think that's going to be the norm for Blunt going forward. So not a big surprise there, but I'm wondering how much Gronk can turn things around. I don't think Gronk's lack of production is really the result of the backup quarterbacks in so much as it was his own health. He seems to be making some progress, even though he's getting harassed at grocery stores. Like, Gronk's a big dude, and I know he's always in kind of a good mood and seems really friendly, but I would not talk crap to Gronk, ever. Like, I I would never think to do that. No, right? I'm sure it was all playful. You know, you see a guy with probably, like, eight whole chickens in his cart, you know, just overflowing. Eight chickens? Oh, that's Gronk. Gronk. I yeah. thought you meant the the guy yeah, that was I'm buying all the chickens. That situation, yeah, I would imagine Gronk probably would maybe wear his own jersey while shopping. If there's any player who would do that, yeah, not like an egotistical way, just in like, oh, this is what I this is what I always wear. Oh, I had this on at practice, so I just came to the grocery store. Right, yeah, I, exactly. I don't want to do laundry load twice. Up on, load up on chicken. Um, yeah, not a guy I would want to be harassing in in a grocery store, out of a grocery store, near a grocery store, really ever under any circumstances. But um, I mean, as far as Gronk, there's really nowhere to go but up. For now, and if you paid up to get Gronk, you can't really cut bait right now unless someone's you know really willing to give you some sort of Godfather offer. Um, but what's even the, then, you know, I think you have to look at what. What's a Godfather offer for Gronk, or what is what is what, it, what does that mean? It just means like a. I've an never offer heard this expression. Take. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. People say that, right? Godfather offer. Maybe it is an expression. Yeah, yeah an offer you can't refuse. Right. Is that weird? Okay, you can't refuse, yeah. that that makes sense. Okay. I've just never heard it referenced that way. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where. I, I understand. I understand the lineage. I just, yeah, never, yeah. never had anyone drop that. Yeah, Good idea. Something new every day. I, I, um, fortunately, I do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I like Gronk. I think going forward, I don't think that's you know much of a take at all. My worry is as someone who owns Martellus Bennett in a couple leagues, I think Bennett's been more productive than I expected with Gronk back these last couple weeks. Obviously, his snap load. I think he played only fourteen snaps two weeks ago. Uh, really wasn't involved much at all last week as well. Um, once, you know, if and when Gronkowski gets back to, to being Gronkowski with Tom Brady at the helmet, is there enough targets to go around? Are they going to be creative enough with Martellus Bennett that he can still be owned, or do I have to look elsewhere? I think Bennett might be okay. I think it's going to come down to how much they get, uh, like Chris Hogan involved, how much Danny Amendola's used. Hogan's the player I'm the most interested in right now from a waiver standpoint because he's available in a good number of leagues out there. And I just feel like he's the kind of guy that because they sought him out in free agency, I think he had that rapport with Brady during the preseason training camp. He might come out and actually surprise a lot of people in week five. Edelman's going to be typical Edelman. I mean, I expect that to be the case. And then where Gronk's at health-wise probably determines how much of a role he has in week five. Ultimately, I would be buying shares of Gronk, but I already have all of them in my leagues. So the only league where I don't have him is a non-trading league. So I mean, if you've that's been able happening. to kind of weather the storm, I guess, at tight end through these first few weeks, you got to like your chances going forward. Uh, as far as the Garrett Blunt, I'm with you. I think the carry load is going to be pretty safe in you know the mid to high teens most weeks, but we're not going to see him get 25 carries. I mean, with, with Tom Brady, there's no real reason to limit the playbook like they did, especially under Brissett. But I think this week, if everything goes as planned and as it probably should for New England. They're up big in the first half, and, and maybe LeGarrette Blunt is just kind of used to run out this game in the second half. I, I think this is where the, the angry Brady thing that I brought up before, and, and Jeff got like kind of angry about it. Like it like not, he doesn't believe in it? Not in a, yeah, he doesn't believe in it. Like okay. He, he, just, he kind of had a snap. Like He's always trying, and I, I, obviously Tom Brady's always trying. I just feel like there's, there's a little something extra in that 
hey, if they're up big late, they might not just run the ball. They might try to keep throwing it and just yeah. pile on to really make a point after the four-game suspension. That is interesting. I mean, that would be more of a Belichick thing than anything, right? You know, like but yeah, it's both, it's both of them. Brady's going to play the right. same either way. But yeah, Belichick's like, the one making you know, the decisions to play call calling. A, a halfback dive and Brady's going to audible out into a, right. you know, a, I don't even what, you know, deep pass, whatever it would be. Um, I think that's the scenario I hope happens. You know, why not? You just, you just almost never see something like that in the NFL. Uh, you, you rarely you rarely do. Uh, Patriots, I believe, are favored by 10 on the road. I think yeah, I'd still I take ten, them. I see 10 and a half right here. I'm sh- somewhere between 10 and 11 most places. I think they win by two touchdowns. Cleveland is not a good yeah. football team, as we have said time and time again. Eagles on the road after the bye, facing the Lions, the Jim Schwartz revenge game, another narrative I think Jeff doesn't like. Uh, but Jim Schwartz, I mean, as a defensive coordinator, is good. Jim Schwartz is. as a head coach, not so much, but this is a good Eagles defense. What they did to the Steelers in week three was something I did not expect whatsoever. I thought that was where we'd get a feel for Philly as an improved defense, but one that's probably not among the league's best. Now we're wondering if they're among the league's best, and we're streaming them where available, which might be a good number of leagues because yeah. most owners don't hold a defense through its bye week. So Philadelphia, if they're still out there, could be one of the best options to play overall this week. Yeah, I think so, especially with as shaky as, as this Lions offense has looked at times. Um, I mean, we saw Pittsburgh come out this past week and just put it on Kansas City, you know, 29 points in the first half, uh, complete opposite from, from how they looked back in week three against Philadelphia. I mean, was that was the Philly D that good, or, or was Pittsburgh just, just completely off of its game? I have a hard time believing, you know, that Philly, Philly's defense can be that dominant because we've seen Pittsburgh's offense be as dominant as any teams in the league. It was kind of just a night and day sort of contrast, week three to week four with the Pittsburgh offense. And that was against the Kansas City defense. It's not bad. Yeah. So I think it's a combination of both. I think Philly's defense is good, and Pittsburgh didn't play well. When you have that happen, you get those extreme outlier sorts of results. I don't think Philly's the defense you fear each and every week and, and can't sit players or you can't use players against them because they're so good. I mean, the over-under in this Lions-Eagles game is 46, and the Lions stink. Like, the Lions are bad. Like, Matthew Stafford is an average quarterback at best. Golden Tate is just broken or something. I, I still can't figure out what exactly is wrong with him. And somehow the Eagles are only favored by three. It's on the road, but they had the extra week to prepare and to rest. I think the Eagles cover and get this win reasonably easily. Yeah, I think so too. I think, I mean, are we to the point now where you kind of just have to expect, like, this is what we're going to get from Carson Wentz week to week. It's still such a small sample with him, you know, obviously not playing in the NFL prior this year and only having three games to look at but he hasn't really shown us you know much much weakness really in any in any area of his game I and mean, he hasn't been elite all over the field but he's just he's just good at everything it seems right now yeah he, he seems like he is and, and this is this is one of these things I'm, I'm looking at Carson Wentz and I'm wondering if the opportunities are going to be what holds him back like when they're at their best they're playing good defense they're running the ball effectively whether it's Ryan Matthews or Wendell Smallwood or Kenyon Barner they have to get a lot from that running game. I think Wentz has a decent floor, but I think the ceiling in year one is still somewhat yes, limited. I think what, what we've seen in these first three games, this is as good as it can really get right now based on what he's asked to do. Not what he's capable right. of doing, but just the, the setup he has right now is not the pinball, throw it 40 or 45 times setup that allows him to have enough big games to be the QB2 that you want to mix and match on a regular basis. Now, this, isn't a, this is not a bad spot at all. Like if, you're, if you had to use Carson Wentz, maybe you're a Blake Bortles owner or a Drew Brees owner, and you don't have a backup right now, Wentz would be a viable play off the waiver wire this week. 
Yeah, I think so. I think the the rest of the choices on the waiver wire are probably not going to be too inspiring. Like you said, there is there is kind of a cap as far as what Carson Wentz can do, as really with any rookie quarterback. And it's not a knock on Wentz. It's just there's really no precedent for for a rookie just be all the, just stepping in and becoming you know a top five fantasy quarterback right away. Like, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and I don't think they necessarily want it to happen. And you know, you would hope at least against a team like Detroit, you're not going to have to ask Carson Wentz to air it out 45 times. I saw a story scroll by just now, by the way. It's really important. We should bring it up. Let's, let's get to it. Headline reads as follows. Joe Buck's addiction to hair plugs oh, yeah. nearly cost him his voice. I read, I read this earlier. Um, wow. The, I mean, honestly, the, the headline kind of says it all. Yeah, that tells you the whole story. Yeah. I've, I've, I've never had hair plugs. I don't understand how one could become addicted to something like that. Tobias Funke was addicted to hair plugs. He was, they were they were killing him, and he just yeah. left them in. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was more of like that was a life or death situation for for old Tobias. Tobias was a mess with the hair plugs, but he just kept going because he, he wanted the luscious hair. Look a lot better than Tobias ever did. Yeah. Well, Tobias just looked like a corpse with like yeah. flowing locks at the time after being bald and was this pre sprightly. Or post Blue Man era for him. Post Blue Man. Okay. The Blue Man stuff, I think, is the beginning of season two. But yeah, this is uh, so he had to get vocal cord injections to buy, not Tobias, Jojo Buck. Yes. Well, Tobias might have too. But yeah, from as far as I'm aware, the whatever is done to implement these hair plugs, like they damaged a nerve while doing it and it affected his voice. So his story was that he he, like wasn't on the air for a while because he had a virus that like robbed him of his voice when in reality it was like a botched hair plug surgery that damaged a nerve. It's in his new memoir, yes. which I'm not going to recommend to anyone. I mean, do you hate Joe Buck as much as the general public seems to? I don't, I don't think he's all that bad. I hate him less than the general public does because I, I probably don't even actually hate him. I just, I just find his his way to be a little smug, kind of, yeah. kind of like Chris Collinsworth is smug. I, I like Collinsworth more than him. I think I would. Well, the the Buck Collinsworth booth, if that ever happened, would it be just good. just be one of the. Like one of the most arrogant duos possible, but they—I mean—they they are good at what they do. Like that, he—he he wouldn't be in that position uh, if he weren't well, good. People don't realize, like you—you know, you watch a, whenever Joe Buck does a Packers game, and this is something I don't ever recommend—is if you go on Facebook during that game, just don't ever go on Facebook ever. Yeah, like, just never no, go on you never Facebook. Really should and I, I don't adhere by that rule always. But. You use it as like a like a research tool. That that's that's the uh, and you look you kind of like spy on people you went to school with, right? Because they right. sell. Oh, I thought you were accusing me of doing this, which it was true, but not just me. No, you're not the it's only a one. Tool first and foremost. Right, and you use it for that, but right. then you also use it to look at the classifieds from like your graduating yeah. high school it's class. Like going to like, it's like looking at the football reference page for someone in your high school. That's as much stats, as close right? as they're going to get. Stats, you have like photos and you know posts. You can, can learn a lot about people. Right. But the point is, if you go on during a Packers game and Joe Buck or really Troy Aikman too is calling that game, just littered with with just trash opinions about these guys. People don't realize like how hard is it to go and talk on national TV for three or four hours and not say one thing that no one disagrees with. Like, it's, it's hard. It's, a, it's an extremely hard job. I can't do this podcast three times a week right. for an hour without saying a hundred things everybody disagrees exactly. with. So it, it, it is, it's a harder job than people think. And, yeah, Joe Buck's father also helped pave the way for him to get that opportunity. But if he was terrible, he wouldn't be in that right. position. Like, that's reasonable, I think, to, uh, to assume. Uh, Ryan Matthews back on the practice field for the Eagles, by the way. So 
sounds like there's a good chance he'll be out there. I wonder if they'll use him in a timeshare, although Doug Peterson said uh, after week three that Matthews is the starter when healthy. So if you picked up Wendell Smallwood, you did it under the assumption that Matthews often misses time and will miss more time again later this year. Yeah, if you you know if you've had Ryan Matthews and you have Smallwood and now you have both available, you have to go Matthews. I think you got to take Doug Peterson at least at his word uh, with this. And if he's practicing in full on Wednesday, that that certainly bodes well for his status heading into Sunday. Let's talk Colts Bears. I guess forty seven and a half is your over under. Colts favored by four and a half. I think the Colts win by more than that. Uh, Kevin White out for a significant period of time. Is his season over? Or is he just on IR where he Season's could come back? Over. I don't think yeah. he can come back until, what would it be now, week 13? Week, week 12, 13, yeah. It, it's just like December, and even then, that, that's not guaranteed. Uh, so more Eddie Royal likely this week. Uh, 47.5 is a big number. I, I do like targeting that game. I like Frank Gore as, a, as an option that, in daily. points coming from? It's going to come from T.Y. Hilton, Elshon Jeffrey, Frank Gore. I don't know where all the Chicago side's coming from. People like Brian Hoyer as a streamer this week. I, I think if you're looking at Wentz versus Hoyer, that is kind of a 50-50 where Hoyer might get more attempts and therefore have the better fantasy day, but Wentz, I think, does have the, the better floor of the two. Yeah, I think so. I think I've I've seen enough bad football from Brian Hoyer to, to kind of not be a believer there. But, I mean, this Colts defense did just lose to the Jags last week, so got to keep that in mind. They did. It, it was it was a home game for the Jags, though, we have to remember. It was, yeah. You, you don't just go into London and beat this Jags team. We'll see what happens to Frank Gore. He didn't practice Wednesday with a chest injury. It doesn't seem too serious, but keep an eye on that if you are planning on using him. But I am taking the Colts, giving up the four and a half. I think they're just a better team than the Bears. Right now, they're a bad team when healthy, and they've been, you know, arguably as, as unhealthy as just about any team, which which obviously doesn't bode well. Very unlucky with the uh, the injuries this season. Uh, we talked about Philip Dorsett on Monday. Don't love him, but I think he can do a little more if they start giving him yeah. more targets. This is a decent spot given the banged up state of that Chicago secondary. Titans on the road in Miami. Miami, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under only 43-and-a-half, which makes sense because these offenses are inconsistent, to put it nicely. Uh, who do you like in this matchup team-wise? Any individuals you're picking on? I mean, the Rashard Matthews revenge game, that's probably pretty high on your list for yeah. games to watch this Sunday. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It is going to be kind of nice to be able to just sit back and not you know, want to throw my computer out my window as I'm watching the Jags this week but um I just I don't know what the Titans are still week to week and same really goes for the Dolphins I mean the Dolphins basically have the wide receiver personnel that Tennessee doesn't and the Titans have the personnel at running back that Miami doesn't um I mean I still like DeMarco Murray second in the league um in rushing right now or third actually I believe behind uh who's at Crowell second and I think Zeke is number one um so Murray's it's been a nice bounce back year for him I think that continues this week as far as Miami, it's it's just kind of a crapshoot in this in this receiving core. I think Landry and Parker have kind of have certainly supplanted themselves over Kenny Stills. He's he's the solid number three now. Um, and if I'm picking one of those two, I, I think I'm going Devontae Parker this week. Yeah, Devontae Parker is to me the more interesting receiver of the two. I want to see if anything happens in the backfield with Arian Foster. I feel like if he plays, he'll actually get a decent number of carries and become sort of useful uh, beyond this week. I don't really like him in this matchup. Tennessee has been good against the run. Their defense overall is sneaky. They can just get a little more out of their offense. 
I think, out of the offense. I think they're actually like a, an improved team, but I'm just surprised that they're not getting more from Mariota in the passing game. The, the weapons are just not good as far as what he has at his disposal. And I know Delaney Walker missed some time, but he was back last week and it still was not good uh, with Marcus Mariota. I will reluctantly take the Dolphins to cover the three and a half. I don't feel strongly about it, and that could be a game I flip on between uh, now and yeah. kickoff on do you, Sunday. Do you think Tennessee regrets trading Green Beckham? I don't mm. know what the, the circumstances were there. You have to think there was something maybe behind the scenes. but His his rap sheet is pretty bad it is. already, so you wonder what else has happened that we don't know about. And it was just odd timing. You know? Yeah, I, I don't maybe, think they regret yeah. it. I think they, I think they knew what they invested in and then realized this guy is still a problem. Like that that's what it feels like anyway, based on the timing. Maybe it's not. Maybe they are just a dumb organization still. Uh Washington on the road at Baltimore. Ravens three and a half point favorites. I rarely pick Washington, but in this matchup I think I'm going to. I just don't think the Ravens are that good. No. And it's, all their games have been close. So everything has been close. Yeah, it's the wins have been close, the losses to their credit have been close, but they've just kind of played a, a lot of teams that you don't really know a lot about. I and mean, they beat they barely eke out a win against the Jags, which is a game they probably should have lost. Um, you know, they lose in crushing fashion last week to Oakland. Uh, I think they, they, I think they've beaten the Browns. Have they, uh, it, it, we don't really, this might be the worst three and one team in the league. I, I think as they kind of get more into the meat of their schedule, uh, beyond this week, we're going to find out a lot more about them, but this is a tough one for me because I think Baltimore is good enough. That they're going to stay in this game. You know, I, I like Washington. I think to win it, I think there's more talent on the offensive side of the ball for Washington, but I mean, this Ravens team is going to find a way to, to keep it close, and if they have the ball last, maybe that, that means that's the difference. I like the possibility of Kenneth Dixon taking over the backfield eventually, but I've seen some ridiculous trade offers involving Dixon. Like, there was uh, one guy on Twitter asked if he should trade Alshon Jeffrey to get him. I mean, we don't know. Here's the reason why, and I'm not trying to belittle this guy. I, I just think with Dixon, like, yeah, he might be the starter by the end of the year. He's got a lot of talent, but Elshon Jeffrey is like a steady wide receiver one or right. high end wide receiver two, yeah. depending on the number of teams in your league at the, at the very least. Dixon could be in a timeshare for the rest of the season. Like that, that is a possibility that West carries the ball 15 times a game. Dixon gets eight or 10 carries and catches some passes. Like that could happen. He could get a lesser role than that if West continues to play well. So, as much as I like Kenneth Dixon, I'm not going overboard with something like that trying to get him. So just be be careful about overpaying for an unproven player, especially a rookie coming off an injury into what could be a timeshare situation. And, I mean, if you're looking at the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about Latavius Murray being hurt. I like DeAndre Washington more than Dixon based on the setup of those two offenses right now. Uh, but looking at that line again, I mean, I, I think Washington – can at least keep it closer than the three and a half. And I think maybe they can even win this game outright on the road, even even though Baltimore has been a good team at right. home. I mean, this is it, is it is a road game for them, too. But, I mean, there, you know, there's going to be a good number of Washington fans, you know, just up the road. Yeah, not a, not a long travel uh, for that one. Houston and Minnesota in Minnesota. Vikings minus six right now. No J.J. Watt, of course, for Houston for the rest of the season. Uh, heavy interest in the Vikings based on the numbers I'm looking at right now. Over under, nice and low at forty and a half. I like the Vikings. I yeah. think they're I think they're real. I think we're underestimating their defense. I don't like Brock Osweiler. Lamar Miller is going to get his volume wise, and you know if you're going to make a trade for DeAndre Hopkins, maybe this is the time to do it. Even though the matchup this week is a tough one, we saw what happened to Odell Beckham on Monday night. But I'm looking at this game, and six is a big number. 
for the Vikings to cover because they're not an explosive offense. But then I'm looking at Houston's offense, and I'm like, who who do I really like the there? Fifty until the second half, I think, against New England a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they're they're not it is in a good way. Line. I mean, the line changed. I think JJ Watt was worth about a point and a half. After sounds the sounds right. Weekend, yeah, um, which is crazy. I, I don't know if there's another defensive player in the game who would who would cause that kind of shift. You know, there's maybe there's some guys who are probably worth a half point for sure, maybe a point, but not a point and a half. Um, but yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is interesting. I mean, if you're if you're not trading DeAndre Hopkins, if you're an owner of him. Are you sitting him against this defense? I mean, I think it would have to be somewhat of a consideration just based on how they've been able to shut down top receivers. Then you take into consideration the fact that Hopkins just hasn't looked like himself each of the last couple of weeks. I mean, if you're playing Quincy and Nunwa instead, probably not no. sitting him, but it really... Yeah. No, if you're choosing between him and, I don't know, like a Sterling Shepard. I'd play, I'd play Shepard. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I'd play Shepard. I mean, especially Shepard might get a number two or number three corner in Green exactly. Bay, and we've seen what bad, Stephon bad Diggs has done. Uh, yeah, it's been, been pretty crazy with opposing receivers have been doing to the Packers this year. Marvin Jones, of course, in week three. Uh, but I'll, I'll, for now, I'm taking Minnesota giving up the six. I I think that's a really good line. Vegas, yet again. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a good game. Uh, it's going to be interesting because I think I'm still not quite sold on Minnesota as like a 12-13 win team that they kind of look to be right now. I mean, they have some strong victories. They're on course to win the NFC North with that, you know, that advantage already over Green Bay. Uh, still so much season to go, but I do feel like Sam Bradford can't really play any better than this, and I don't know if that means that, that a regression is coming, but I just don't see him ascending really anywhere past this. Yeah, he has a limited ceiling, and we're probably seeing it right now, but he doesn't have to play much better than he's played for them to be a great team this year. So I, I think they're in a pretty good spot, which is amazing to say, based on what's happened to them injury-wise. What about Will Fuller? Is he uh, hmm. I mean, he's been better if you're talking just pure fantasy production, than DeAndre Hopkins. This kind of seems like the classic, you know, number two is able to emerge because number one is getting so much attention. And not to take anything away from Will Fuller, but, you know, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's a bad Will Fuller game. I mean, this would be a 23-17 implied score. So if the Texans are going to get 17 points, where is it coming from? I mean, it's kind of like we talked about with Mike Evans last week going against Denver. It's like, yeah, you can start Mike Evans, but... If he has a quote unquote good game, that means he maybe gets to sixty five or seventy yards and catches a touchdown. You know, like the ceiling for a, a high end receiver against a defense like this is so much lower than it normally would be. Yeah, I think Will Fuller can play. I think Houston may have some difficulty with Minnesota's pass rush and the passing game as a whole might just struggle. Uh, if Houston does a lot of damage, it's because DeAndre Hopkins goes off. Yeah. I think that's the way I look at it right now. Jets on the road at Pittsburgh. Steelers seven and a half point favorites. The Jets are one of those teams. Stock seems to be falling uh, pretty fast. I don't think the Steelers are going to blow them out. I think the Jets are one of those teams that defensively can do enough to keep the game close. Offensively, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been terrible. Eric Decker still might not play because of that shoulder injury. But I think I'm taking the Jets with the points. Yeah, this is a little bit of a high line. I mean, and you know, I think Vegas is probably right to do that with the way that Pittsburgh blew out Kansas City last week. But you know, we also just talked about them getting smoked at home, you know, against Philadelphia. So this Jets defense is is among the best, you know, in the league in terms of the front four. You, know, you do wonder how that's going to affect, uh, you know, how they run through Le'Veon Bell. But I mean, the reason the Jets have lost these last two games is just turnovers, right? And nine picks, obviously, for Fitzpatrick over the last two games. Um, I mean, what is it going to take? for the Jets to go in another direction. If he throws a pick on the first possession of the game, do they send out Geno Smith? If he throws two picks in the first half, does Geno or does, does Bryce Petty start the second half? I think Geno would be the next up, but I think 
it's more likely to change after another complete game as opposed to a hook at halftime or a hook yeah, after I the mean, first drive. Get down really big and he throws just like an egregious interception, you know, midway through a third quarter or something and the game's lost. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly not impossible that he gets yanked this week, but I, I just don't think that's the Jets' best interest it's to like, do it's that. It's really never the right call, I don't think, you know, and it's not like they have Jimmy Garoppolo sitting back there, you know, it's 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 Geno Smith and Bryce Petty, not not necessarily these high upside guys that you're trying to get on the field. Yeah, we're we're still still looking at that team and kind of wondering like okay so you make the change like where are you really like how much right. better are you really with Gino or Bryce Petty probably it's, it's probably Gino though the they make the change are still just just talented enough um especially if Eric Decker plays and they're talented enough on the defensive side that I don't see them as like an easy pushover week to week you know when you're picking games no and that's why with the seven and a half especially I'm taking the the points with the Jets but the Steelers side of this one Sammy Coates more targets than ever last week I like him as a pickup where available. I think he's a better player than Marcus Wheaton, Nick, and it seems like he's building up that rapport with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I think I was a little bit skittish, I guess, on on Coates. I think just one catch through all of last season. But, I mean, the frame, he, he looks like an NFL number two wide receiver. He's he's certainly acted like it the last two weeks. I mean, eight targets, that was a team high uh, against Kansas City last week in a game where they really didn't have to throw the ball very much by, by Roethlisberger standards, just 27 attempts. Um, so that's certainly a good sign. And, you know, Marcus Wheaton did have one big play in that game, but it was only his only target of the game. So, you know, he was, you know, you hate to kind of knock Marcus Wheaton for it, but being hurt at the beginning of the year might have cost him his number two job. Totally possible because Coates was able to build up that rapport and the target volume has been increasing week to week uh, to this point. So I like adding him where available because the payoff could be a big one. Uh, Falcons on the road in Denver Everyone's wondering, what do you do with Matt Ryan? I don't think he sit Julio Jones against anybody, so that's not even on the table. But Matt Ryan is a more viable sit because we've seen Denver shut down a lot of opposing passing games over the past year and four weeks now. And if you look at what the Falcons bring to the table prior to last week, a lot of softer matchups. I just don't think you can put a lot of stock into what they've done so far as an indication that Matt Ryan is a completely different player than he was previously. He might be improved. I know he worked with Tom House, the throwing coach in the offseason, and maybe the accuracy is better. Maybe the increased familiarity in Kyle Shanahan's offense is legitimately making a difference, but he's not this much better. And I think this is going to be one of those weeks where the Cardinals or so the Falcons get a really clear reality check because they've got Denver before they go on the road to face Seattle in week six. Yeah, I think so. I think this could be the week. I, personally, I thought it was going to be last week. You know, I thought going, I thought the Carolina defense would would play a hell of a lot better than it did, and that was obviously not the case. And you know, I think Denver was the best defense in the league. Nobody was disputing that last season. But I mean, Carolina was probably a close second, third, fourth, wherever you want to put them. I mean, have the Panthers has the Panthers defense fallen that far? You know, that allowing Atlanta to do what they did last week and. You know, the gap, I guess, between that Carolina D and that Denver D in 2016 is so much bigger now that, you know, maybe the Falcons offense isn't quite as explosive, you know, as it looked last week just because the Carolina D, you know, doesn't hold that same reputation. Well, yeah, it's part of it. Carolina's defense isn't the same as it was, and I think their offense was struggling to sustain drives, so Atlanta spent a lot of time on the field last week. 
Uh, Tevin Coleman, for me, he's still a nice handcuff, still a nice bench player. Not a guy you want to have out there this week against Denver unless something happens to the Freeman between now and kickoff. I do like the Broncos' skill position players because it sounds like we're going to see Trevor Simeon back out there. So it should be a good week for C.J. Anderson. should be good for the two receivers. Uh, if I like the tight end on that team, I would like the tight end too because I don't think Atlanta's defense is anything uh, to write home about. The line in this one is 5.5. I think Denver at home can cover 5.5. The over-under is 47. So I think Vegas is starting to buy into Denver's offense as kind of legit. Buy into the Atlanta offense too. I mean, they're, Atlanta's leading the league in basically every passing statistic, right? I mean, Matt Ryan is kind of far and away the best fantasy quarterback right now and you know playing in the nfc south and getting new orleans and carolina back to back certainly helps but i don't know i mean we have to believe this falcons offense is at least you know maybe not elite but very very good right now and even as good as the the denver defense is i mean are you expecting a, a complete shutdown or is this you know is atlanta maybe good enough that they can get to 24 27 points I'd be surprised if they cracked 20. I think the over-under is too high yeah, in this game. Too. Yeah, that, that's where it's going to be really problematic for them. I don't think Atlanta's bad. I just don't think no. they're good enough to go into Denver and do in work these, like, against elite that defense. Offense versus elite defense matchups. And, oh, it, it, I don't have the numbers in front of me to, to back this up, but it, it does always seem that the defense ends up with the advantage there. And you know, On the bigger stages, you know, we've seen some high-powered offenses go up against high-powered defenses in Super Bowls and you know the, the defense always seems to to kind of find a way whereas it's just i think it's just harder to beat a good defense than it is for a good defense to slow down a good offense it's what it seems like and denver just seems like they're in a tier of their own as far as what right. they do with their scheme and their personnel on that side of the ball Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to WIX.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Bengals and Cowboys, Nick, part of the late afternoon slate. Denver, part of that as well in their matchup against Atlanta. 45.5 is the over-under. Cowboys, a one-point underdog at home. I like Cincinnati better as a team. I think Dak makes them very interesting. I think Zeke's a legitimate like top-end running back. Dez kind of up in the air for this one. Uh, Tyler Eifert might not play, by the way. It looked like he was going to play earlier in the week. He had a, a back injury he suffered in practice this week, so his return may be on hold. But even with that, to me, Cincinnati is just a more complete team right now. Yeah, I think they, you know, record-wise, the Cowboys are 3-1, and one, the Bengals are 2-2, two and two, but this Bengals team, like you said, is much more complete. I mean, the, the Cowboys offense, as good as Dak Prescott has looked, um, you know, at some point he's going to turn the ball over. And, you know, that, that, that to me, the clock on that is, is kind of ticking. And as they, they kind of gradually expand the offense from him week to week, I think we're going to see him take a few more risks. And, um, you know, being at home certainly helps the Cowboys, uh, but but the Bengals are, have kind of turned things around. And they seem better to me than a two and two team. You know, a couple of very close losses. Uh, they look good last week on, on Thursday night football. And, 
Um, it's, it's easy to forget, you know, how good this team has been in you know, the last two, three, four years. And the core of that team has remained the same. You know, these guys aren't really aging at all. Dude. I, I don't really see the, the reason to panic. I, I don't know if this was on this pod last week or, or on the radio, but there's a story. I, I want to say it was on ESPN.com that, that questioned if the Bengals lost on Thursday night, would Marvin Lewis lose his job? Dumb. To me, that, that just seems so reactionary. No, like he's been there. Was he been there twelve years? Oh I feel like he's been there a long Which for time. For the Bengals, you know, is just crazy. That is that is an amount of that's a that's a level of continuity that they have yeah. never really achieved. I mean, when I was younger, and I guess you were obviously younger at that point too, but a little bit older than I was. Like growing up, like the Bengals were the worst team. I mean, this is at the Jags' heyday. I mean, they were the Bengals were basically where the Jags were two years ago, but maybe worse. I mean, it was it was more prolonged. Well, the Brett Favre emergence at Lambeau against the Bengals I think it was in 1992 1993 that's when those two franchises like two franchises kind of switched places the Bengals were good in the 80s yeah but when I was a kid yeah the Bengals were bad like I mean, consistently bad like bad franchise like the best thing about the Bengals from 93 to like 2002 was Corey Dillon right that was it Huge it, numbers. That was it. I mean, it would. They were. Maybe, they were like one of those teams that like it didn't even matter what sport. Like they might have been the worst franchise in terms of like how they were viewed. You know, in hockey, baseball, football, NBA, they were butt clowns, as Kurt Schilling would say. Yeah, and and, and honestly, I mean, you kind of forget about that because they've just been so consistently strong. Obviously, they haven't gotten to a Super Bowl, but they're you, they're yeah they're legit. Like they're at least in the mix every year to be one of the better teams yeah. in the AFC, which is. It's a far cry from where they were uh, ten and fifteen years ago. Because yeah, like like you said, when when we were younger, they were a joke franchise. Uh, let's talk Bills and Rams. Thirty nine and a half is your over under lowest number on the board. Rams favored by two. These two teams are both just puzzles to me. I think I'm taking the Bills because I'm getting two points. I mean, they seem really even. Like they just there's like no. There's no great playmaker in the passing game for either team. Like Tavon Austin's explosive, but he's not consistent at all. And I think you couldn't make two teams that are more like like identical to each other in terms of right. being good defensive teams with coaches who have good reputations but are underachieving more recently. I don't want to watch any of this game. Like I'm glad I'm glad the four o'clock hour has four games because I'll be able to mostly avoid Bills Rams. Right. No, that voice that you used when you first started talking about the Bills, where you where you just like kind of talk as a question. Like that's how you should always be talking about the Bills. Like they kind of look good. They beat Arizona at home. I don't like. I don't know anything about either of these two teams. Like it, no, this is every week. I feel like there's one game where I always, where I always say. You know, no result would surprise me, and I think this is probably the one for this week. You know, if the Bills go in there and and blow out LA, it's like okay, the Rams are back to where we thought they were. If the Rams, you know, win at home, all of a sudden they're four and one. But it, I just can't that, that would that would surprise me. That, that would be the, the, Ram, the Rams blowing out the Bills would surprise me. The Bills me. being a two and two team is fine. The Rams being a, a three and one team, let alone a possible four and one team, is absurd to me. The universe can't do that to us. That's why I'm taking the Bills. Right. I mean, the the Rams aren't making the playoffs, right? I don't think so. You know who looked really good last week, and I probably talked about it on Monday, though, was LaShawn McCoy. He just looks healthy. He looks like 
Barry Sanders. Like, he, he doesn't look like. Yeah, we did talk about it Monday. He doesn't look like Barry Sanders, but he does look very good. Yeah. Uh, Gurley. I don't know if he can get well against the, the Bills defense. Uh, teams are just keying in on the running game. Right. But Keenum's been efficient these last three weeks. I think maybe that ends this week, and that's Was why Keenum just so bad in Week One that maybe they he kind of threw us off the scent of how how sneaky like okay these Rams might be God, Jeff Fisher's a genius he told he told Case Keenum they to threw, tank in the opener week one he told he told he's like tank in the opener everybody will think I'm stupid for not playing Jared Goff I'll keep playing you yep. and everybody will overlook us for the next four weeks does he is Jeff Fisher worried that he's maybe creeping too far from eight and eight though I mean if he wins this he's all of a sudden he's three games over 500 and that's that's territory that he maybe hasn't seen in a while I mean, I, th- I think we all believe in, in gravity, and I think the, the right. pull for the Rams that keeps them close to 8-8 eight and eight is like a gravitational right. sort of pull. So it's it's one of those constants that you you know it's always going to be there. Yeah, I mean, even if they go into Week 17 at, like, 13-2. and two, like, They'll finish 8-8. Eight eight. Somehow, yeah, like, you'll look at the schedule or the standings the next day and be like, wow, they're 8-8, eight eight, sure, and, like, nobody will question it. They'll be, they'll, like, they'll be found to have had, I don't know, something wrong with the goalposts or something yeah. in Los Angeles and had to forfeit. Right. A bunch of games. It'll happen. I think it's a certainty at this point. Chargers on the road in Oakland. Oakland three and a half point favorites. I don't fully trust Oakland yet, even though I can tell they're better. Like I'm supposed to pick Oakland. No Latavius Murray in this one. At least it looks unlikely. So we'll see a lot of DeAndre Washington, who I do like, but I I think Jalen Murray is going to be used more than we want him to be used because everyone's going to want Washington to be like an RB one, RB two, and he'll be more of a flex most likely, but that's still good enough to use at the running back position right now. What do you make of San Diego at this point? I mean, do you look at them as a bad team or a good team that's been ripped up by injuries? Like the offensive line the wasn't good last San week. San Diego team as we've seen, you know, it's, it's there. The injuries are there. That's for sure. Um, but there's still been a position to win games. And, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know at what point you can say, all right, you know, we're late in the fourth quarter. We should win this game. And in retrospect, I don't think you can say, man, if Vincent Jackson was there, we would have closed that out. You know, at some point, the personnel you have has to just, you know, close out the game. And a lot of that, I think, comes to the coaching staff. They had a really bad fumble uh, against New Orleans deep in their own territory last week that kind of shut the door on that game. Um, I mean, this team is really not far from being 3-1 and one or even 4-0. Oh. Um, and, you know, the, the one win, I guess, over the Jaguars was a convincing one. Um, but the Jaguars are not a good football team. So to me, the Chargers are, are not that far from a team like Baltimore that's 3-1, and one. Um, but you know the ball just hasn't really bounced their way. As far as Oakland, uh, I'm with you too. You can see they're a better team. I mean, they make, they're, they're a team that can score with just about anybody, I think, but then you know, you're in the second half of this game, and you know, they're in control. They're up 21-19 uh, you know, late in the game, and Steve Smith gets loose. Uh, one, you know, catches the ball over the middle, runs fifty-two yards for a touchdown. Like plays that good teams just don't give up at that time in the game. Right, you're just waiting for the Raiders to have like a six-point lead late, and then yeah. Travis Benjamin to catch an eighty-yard touchdown right. pass. But to then Derek make Carr's going to come back down, and Michael Crabtree's going to, you know, have a diving catch over the middle as time expires, and the Raiders will sl- sneak it out. Yeah, I mean they're they're fun to watch. So I'll give them that right now. If you're, if you're looking at the the Ravens, the Chargers, and the Raiders together, like, how do you rank those three teams? The Raiders kind of have to be one to me. Raiders, Chargers, Ravens. I don't think the Ravens, the Ravens are good. Are three and one. I just don't think they're good. They were seconds from being four and zero. I think the Ravens and Chargers. If you put them on a neutral field, that yeah. that's like kind of like the Bills Rams matchup we just talked about, yeah. where they're they're equal. Like they're they really they're, are. They're there's both they're both very like that. average teams in their current state. I feel like there's like 15 teams that you could kind of clump into that right now. It's, it's Parody. Not, yeah, it is. I mean, 
I don't know. I, I mean, guess. Do you, do you like how the, the parody has kind of emerged? It seems this year more than ever. We're only four weeks in, and this talk is already starting. But, I mean, there's only – how many teams do you really feel good if you're picking games, whether it's with the spread or not, week to week? Like, to me, there's only like three or four that you feel like you can really trust. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to have a wager. What, what, you, you lost a case of hams to me for the – was the Grammys? The Grammys pool we did on XM? I think that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, I th- I it was some sort of award show. Yeah, it was, it was the Grammys. You gave, it, you gave away the case of hams. I'm a generous person, and if I bring a 30-pack of hams into my refrigerator, I'm going to hear about it for a month because I'm not going to drink it that fast. It's going to take me a long time. That's what, that's what everybody says. Then you have one, and all of a sudden... I'm not drinking one a day for 30 days. I'm not drinking two like a day like for 15, 15 days. Drink like 15 a day for two days. That, that'll end well for me. That's that's like nineteen year old me. That's that's not it's not thirty two year old me. Okay, All right, we'll do this. I'll give you your choice. To win the Super Bowl, we've talked about this in the office before. Okay. You can have any four teams of your choice, I get the field, or you can give me the choice of my four teams and whoever I don't pick, you get as the field. Mm. Like which side of that do you even want to be on? That's that's the bigger question. It's almost not, you know, what teams do you pick, it's what side do you pick. I, I think finding four teams would be tough. Um, it, it, it's I don't know. I feel like by now, and again, it's still we're only a quarter of the way into the season. But by now, you usually have a good read. I mean, what teams do you feel good about? Denver is one. They're they're kind of the lock to me, not to make the Super Bowl, but if you they're a top four team. Um, you know, I mean, I feel good about Denver as a great defense. I still don't know in the playoffs if I see them beating a team like New England. I feel good yeah. about New England. I feel good about Green Bay, and that's reflected in the Super Bowl odds. And then everything else to me is just really blurry. I think the way to go about this might be to stack a conference. And this is, I think we talked about this out in the office as well, too, is where you just say, all right, give me Denver, Pittsburgh, New England, and Cincinnati. And I just hope that the AFC wins the Super Bowl because I think one of those four. But then you're, then you're leaving yourself a coin flip. Like any one of those teams could lose to the Packers or if the Eagles are this year's Carolina or if Seattle pulls it together, like, so you think it's smarter to go like two and two and hope that you get a matchup, you know, featuring a team from each conference that you picked? I think you can do that. I think you can justify three and one if your one is New England. I think New England is just better than the other teams in the AFC. Yeah. It, it's hard for me to see, you know, if we get a Denver New England AFC title game, which you know right now is probably where most people would say we're headed. It's hard for me to see New England and Bill Belichick specifically losing to a Trevor Simeon quarterback team. Right, or, or I could see Pittsburgh, New England, depending on how the seeds all fall and, and the records at the end right. of the year. I mean, Denver's undefeated right now, so that's a big factor. But I could see it being New England, Pittsburgh in the AFC. But then I, I can't even pick the two teams for the NFC. Yeah. I mean, the Packers, I, by I, default, I guess, would be there. Well, I mean, can this Vikings team can't go to the Super Bowl with Sam Bradford and Jarek McKinnon, right? Sure it can. Can it? Yeah, why not? If the Broncos can be contenders with Trevor Simeon, the Bradford McKinnon yeah, I guess Vikings if, can be if contenders. We, if we're going to consider the Vikings defense that good, I guess we kind of have to put them in the, the quarterback immunity category like Denver. If there aren't that many good teams, it doesn't take a great team to make that run. That's true. That's and a good, and a, good, a good defense can be the most consistent aspect of any team, and I think yeah. they have that. They have a very good defense. But yeah, which, which side true. do you want? Do you want the four teams? I think or do you I would take the, the four teams. Okay. Are we doing this? Do you want to take them? We can, yeah, do that. we can do this yeah, right now. Um, okay, so give me Denver. You want Denver. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. New England. Pittsburgh. Okay, Denver, Pittsburgh, and New England. Denver, and Pittsburgh. Uh, let's see. This is, this is really tough. The NFC tough. is rough, man. I, I'm, still, I'm still not quite ready to throw in the towel on Carolina. 
still not ready to throw it in on Arizona. But the thing with like if, if Carson Palmer misses another week and all of a sudden they're at like one in five, you know, like I don't know, I don't know how you can really say that, that you know they have a good chance to get into the playoffs, let alone make the Super Bowl. I'll, I'll share this with you because I'm looking at it, and I, I would have used it if I was making yeah. the final call for my four team. Uh, I mean, the Patriots are plus four hundred to win the Super Bowl. They're, they're the ob- they're one of the obvious teams you take if you take the four. Pittsburgh is plus seven hundred, which yeah. is kind of surprising, but that's the second the second most favorited team. Yep. Seattle is next at yep. plus seven fifty. That's what I was going to say. I mean, Seattle's at three and one. Mathematically, them. Green Bay at plus nine hundred and Minnesota at plus nine hundred. Those are basically those are the three teams that you should logically trust, be choosing from. I don't know if I trust Green Bay's pass defense right now. You probably don't trust Mike McCarthy to do anything no. right in a big game at this no, point. No, that's the thing. But I mean, you, part of me just the past the you know the the evidence I guess that we have in the Rodgers era is that Green Bay is going to find a way into the playoffs, whether it's via winning the division or via the wild card and. At that point, I don't know if you want to go against Aaron Rodgers uh, in any situation, but if Green Bay has to go at Seattle in a in a theoretical NFC title game, I think I'm tempted to go to go with the Seahawks there. So give, give me the Seahawks as my one NFC team. All right, so you've got Denver, Pittsburgh, New England, and Seattle to win the Super Bowl as yep. of today, October 6th, so yeah. four weeks I, in the I books. Can I just like, sharpie this on the wall in here? Yeah, this wall's not no. worth anything. Uh, I've got the field, one okay. case of hams. Ham's premium, Ham's premium light, Ham's special export light. Is that a thing? No, it's not. Um, well, I, I would, I'll do a premium if I win. Is there a Ham's Bach or Ham's like? Uh, they like stick a, to what they know. What is it? Was like lager? Ham's lager? Ham's I think ale? there is, but I've never seen it. There's there's allegedly three kinds of Ham's, but you're never going to find the third kind. You usually Ham's only IPA. see there's premium. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> there's there's premium and light, and premium is basically the equivalent of like a regular light beer. All right. Well, one case of hams. You'll probably win your case back that you yeah. lost from the Grammys thing. Do you even if you win, do you even want the case? Uh yeah, I, I will. I'll I'll I don't know, I'll find something to do with it. I'll have an office party or like something. Throw it out it. a window or something. Okay. Throw it I'm not I'm not a degenerate. Again, <laughs> not not something I would do at age thirty two, maybe in my more yeah. formative years, but definitely not at age right. thirty two. Throw a case of beer out a window? What kind of maniac do you think I am? You tell me you wouldn't want to see that smash on a sidewalk at high velocity. I want to see everything smash on a sidewalk <laughs> exactly. at high velocity, but I, I, I don't want to go to jail for like oh, come on. throwing crap that's out a the window. At the worst, I don't, I don't once be, the cop sees its hams, it's just it's like oh okay, that's fine. Oh, this this guy's already a automatic soul. We're not gonna we're not gonna incarcerate yep. this man. <laughs> He's clearly dealing with some things. Giants Packers in Green Bay. Packers favored by seven and a half. Give me the Giants and the points. The pass defense is the problem right now. I don't think the Giants are good. Odell Beckham's going to eat this week. He's going to go so off. Too, right? It's going to happen. It's going to be chalky in DFS. The The narrative is so stupid. He's actually kind of owning up to it. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want a six-year-old to do the things I'm doing right now. Good, fine. We're past it. The He's, camera is on him a little too much during games, right? And I get that. He doesn't know. run the camera. No, like, I know. I know. That, I, it's I'm, funny. That, I'm that's not criticizing the, him. I'm criticizing yeah. like, the, the people who do run the camera. Like, it, it's obscene how much it's on him during It's a games. star-driven league, and we are a, we are a, a society that has no attention span at all. So we can only watch the most ridiculous thing happening. Right. If that's Beckham fighting the field goal kicker's net on the sideline, then the camera's going to be there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just even even when he's not doing things like that, it's between every play, the cut to Beckham. Like when when the Giants are like on D, it's like, oh, there he is sitting right. on the sideline with his other teammates. Like, cool. The Giants give up a first down on like third and fifteen. Yeah. They want, they want it, they're hoping they like catch him reacting to. to they they want to see defense. Beckham smashing a tablet on yeah. the sideline. Right. I, I don't know. I don't like it, but I'm with you. I think he. 
I don't know, you know, when we say go off, you know, going off by Beckham standards is like a 200-yard game. I don't know if he gets there, but I think he gets TDs. into the end zone. I think he's going to score twice. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, the law of averages has to kick in at some point here. Yeah, the law of averages never fails us. I mean, there's not much for, for me to add to that game. I think Randall Cobb's going to be fine, by the way. I've said it a hundred times already. He's going to get back yep. on track this week. Over under 48. We're going to see a lot of points. It's going to be closer than that line. I think the Packers win. But I think they win by like three, not by seven yeah. in change. I think, I think at home, yeah, Green Bay wins. I mean, I think the Giants are a little bit demoralized after these last couple of games. McAdoo, McAdoo. Uh, Bucks on the road at Carolina, Monday night game. We don't know much about this game yet because we don't know if Cam Newton's going to be playing in it. Uh, Charles Sims is a little banged up. Doug Martin's probably not coming back. It's going to be a bad Monday night game. If, if Cam it doesn't play, it's going to be a disaster. It should have been. It looked, like, this looked like a really fun game. Looking at the rear good Monday night ago, game. Yeah. Um, I mean, it might just be an ugly good game. It's not going to be 29-0 to at halftime like last week's Monday night game. Um, but at the same time, I just I don't know what to think of this team, either of these teams, really. like Tampa Bay's offense has kind of looked like I thought it would, but not. You know, I didn't expect this many turnovers and this much volatility uh, from Jameis Winston. Carolina, the, the mini collapse that they've already had through the first four games, I did not see coming at all. I, I kind of thought they would pick up where they left off. I don't know if, if there is such thing as kind of a hangover from losing the Super Bowl, but whatever it is, they just they just don't look the same on either side of the ball. Not having Josh Norman certainly hurts, but that's not enough to explain no. what's happened to them so far. And smart people that you listen talk to about Josh Norman will tell you like it's not that's not the problem. You know, no, like it's they, definitely not. But defensively, I mean, they they didn't look bad against Denver, but that was Trevor Simeon's first start. Mm-hmm. Momentum, certainly, or I should say adrenaline was up for that game, given that it was the first game of the year. It was a Super Bowl rematch. Uh, but Carolina almost won that game. Right. They'd be 2-2 two and two with a win over Denver in Denver if they'd won that game. And the degree to which we were panicking would be very different if that had happened. Now, I realize it, it didn't, but that, that to me kind of gives you an idea that Carolina's still good. They just had a bad week last week, and Cam got hurt. Like that's a yeah, big part I mean, of it. And that's the thing is, when Cam's been beat up. Like I do wonder if he, if something happened in week one, and he just he never was he quite. He may back. have been concussed, right? Maybe well, the, he may maybe have the been protocol concussed. failed, right? It, it, that failed, and then you know it's like, has he? Did he ever fully recover from that? And it just like, even even the San Francisco game that they won big, it was it was a weird game. I mean, they they had some odd mental errors. Cam had some puzzling plays in the second half, kind of let San Francisco hang around. That should have been a bigger blowout than it was. And I mean, even when things are going right for Carolina, Newton really hasn't looked the full, you know, near unanimous MVP form that he was last year. No, not even close, but too early to write him off. And even if he misses this game, he can come back and and be very productive. And the Panthers, I think they're good enough without Cam to even to beat Tampa. Tampa's a weird team that I've been overestimating all year. So they're very Jaguarsy to me. They've got a the strong Jag pull going they, on. I mean, well, the thing is, like they they're at least like putting up points. You know, the thing with the Jags, like the offense was just stalling everywhere. The defense has been okay. You know, they couldn't run the ball. Tampa Bay is putting up points. Like the offense is kind of humming along despite Jameis making some terrible decisions, as we thought it would. But they just they don't have whatever it, whatever it is that good teams have to win games. You know, when you have to make plays or get stops late, like you, Tampa Bay is just not a team that you ever trust to get a stop when they need it or to march eighty yards when they need to. And they clearly missed Doug Martin last week. Right. I, I don't know if that's always going to be the case. Denver's defense may have been the big factor, but Charles Sims did not earn high marks for his work last week uh, against the Broncos. I don't think he's bad. I think he's better than Cameron Artis Payne by comparison. Uh, who, who, do you, 
we may be starting again. An artist Payne or a Whitaker owner, like Jonathan Stewart, iffy for this game. Uh, I mean, getting the extra day, you know, playing on Monday night, it, it helps a little bit. But I think Stewart's probably back next week. Like, do you still? try to ride with one of those guys? I mean, I don't like this running back situation at all. I don't like either one of those players. If you have to roster him right now, it's because you're in a terrible spot. If you could play Orleans Darkwa instead of Cameron Artis Payne or Fozzie Whitaker, I would do that. Because at least with Darkwa, you're going to get maybe 10 to 12 carries, chances at the goal line. You're hoping for like 50 yards and a score, but he's more likely to do that than either of the Carolina running backs. They've been, been they've been good so far. Been good. I, I just wonder if the Giants can actually get something going. And even if they don't, if they're moving the ball well through the air, yeah. if Darkwood just gets in the end zone and it's 30 yards of the score, which yeah. isn't bad right now, given the state of the running back position. So going back to that Packers-Giants game real quick, I mean, do, do you think this is a, a resounding Packers win in a home night game? You know, games like this a couple of years ago seemed like they were locks. You know, you could, you could just count on a, a fun Packers win because they never seem to lose these type of games. Now it's just it's kind of week to week, possession to possession. Like this team looks like they look like the 2013 Packers on one possession, then they look like you know the Packers of the last year and a half, the next. They're definitely fooling Vegas right now. So I I'm disagreeing with Vegas, which can be very bad at times. But I I think this is a three or four point game. I think it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to come the down to the last possession. No, they're they're not That's that bad. They are not that bad, and the Packers are not as good as people think they are. They're right. good, but they're not great. Mm-hmm. I think last year definitively proved or disproved the argument that as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, you know, you'll, you'll automatically just kind of beat teams that you should beat. Mm-hmm. And I think the Packers probably lost to some teams that were worse than them last year just because there were no weapons. That's Yeah, that's definitely true. And I just I wonder, you know, where are they really at as a passing game? I, I think Cobb's going to get back and be Randall Cobb again. I hope he is, at least. That almost is bigger to me than Nelson, because Nelson, he hasn't been the deep threat necessarily, and you know, in, their, in their last game he did. He, he looked, he looked more normal in Week right. 3 than he did in Weeks 1 and 2. Yeah, we, Weeks 1 and 2 he was getting in the end zone, but it was you know short, kind of scripted, comeback type of routes and you know make, making nice catches you know using his body and, and, and using his hands around defenders. But still hasn't been the the vertical type of threat, I guess that we that we expected. No, he hasn't yet. But we, I, again, I, I think that's coming. He's further away from surgery, a couple of weeks out from that right. week three game now. Uh, so I think that bodes well for Nelson. But I think we are going to see Cobb uh, getting more opportunities. In the game flow in week three, it's such a big lead. They stopped throwing the ball in the second half. Target volume was down for pretty much right. everybody. It wasn't just Cobb. It was really everything went through Nelson while they were throwing it, and then things I backed think, off a lot. I think things stack up well for Green Bay overall. I mean, the Giants are coming in on a slightly short week, playing on Monday night, a, you know, an emotional loss on the road at Minnesota. you got to go all the way back to New York. You know, you get one fewer day to prepare, and then you got to fly all the way back to Green Bay. So, you know, I, I like the Packers in this one. I don't think it's a blowout, but I think it's a convincing win, but not a resounding win. And as far as the Monday night, game, Monday night game, there's no line on it that I'm seeing right now. I would just take Carolina, give it up three, four yeah. points. I mean, if, if Cam is ruled out, then what? That's when things get <sighs> the, tough. The line's like one or a pick em, and I still take Derek Carolina. Bad at the end of that game. He was, he was good for a couple possessions and then just kind of lost it. The thing about Tampa Bay is like, w- it wouldn't be that surprising if Cam doesn't play and Tampa Bay's up like 21-7 to at the end of the first quarter. Like, I think the Carolina defense just isn't what it was. I don't know if we can count on them anymore. I don't like the Bucks defense that no, much that's either, true. though. That's so also I, true. I'm going to take the Panthers at okay, home. Home, home teams on Monday night yeah. when all else fails. It's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Let us know on Twitter. He's at Waylon uh, with a 1 instead of an L. I'm at Derek Van Riper. Which side would you want to be on of the four teams of your choice? 
or the field to win the Super Bowl if you had to make that decision today. Hopefully, uh, we'll get some responses from you guys uh, as this weekend approaches. Tim and I are back with you tomorrow. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.